This is Jam DeMatteis, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Hello, Looney listeners, you are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 115, and you're with your High Priest of Conchu host, Ray, tonight, coming through on the airwaves, and also broadcasting live on our Get Vocal channel. So we are actually simulcast on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, and on our Twitter account, so if you're fortunate enough to catch this live, um, pop on in, uh, drop a line, and uh, yeah, we can we can have a chat. Uh, anyway, I am flying solo this episode. It looks like Konishu, my brother in arms. He uh, look, I told him not to have the water. Uh, he's taken a little sip from the water uh, from the from the tap, and he's now cavorting around, acting like a werewolf causing mayhem on the streets so it's just just myself this evening um and uh, yeah i'm i'm kind of looking forward to it i'm still kind of fresh and and abuzz with uh with coming back from uh, one of the comic book conventions here in australia um the only one i've been to for the last i guess 25 27 years so uh it's been a long time between drinks um but it was a it was a massively fun day anyway i'm here for some moon night action um but you know i'd like to give a little round out to um to the day a little shout out obviously to of course um, my friend Dave of Finn, who I went to the comic book convention with, Oz Comic Con. Um, very, very fun indeed. Anyway, loonies, we are here tonight. Issue, oh, not issue, always, always with it. Episode 115, we have a Lunapic review tonight. It's a classic book review. Uh, I'll be looking at one of Mensch's earlier runs uh, in his volume, volume 1, so it will be Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 8, The Night of the Wolves. So it's been a while since we kind of reviewed a classic a classic run, uh, so it should be good to, to get stuck into. Um, but before any of that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, let's kick off this show. As I, as I said, we are a simulcast right now. Uh, if you go to our Facebook group, if you're a member, or if you pop on to Twitter... Uh, and look up at ITK Moon Knight. You can see, you can see me there, uh, myself. You know, with a with a face for radio, uh, <laughs> out on um, on the airwaves there for you. Uh, it should be fun. Drop us a line if you want. I've got the um, got the the messages kind of thing open here. So if anyone wants to drop a line, that's pretty cool. If not, if you're happy to listen, that's good too. So anyway. Um, all of that kind of aside, uh, yeah, one of the big things that did happen today, look, I'm still fresh from the Oz Comic Con um, convention, I, I caught an early train this morning, uh, left the house at about 7.20 in the morning, uh, it was a bit of a, a bit over an hour uh, by train, had to change trains twice uh, to get to the destination, I met up with fellow collective member Dave Finn, 
We spent a good slab of time at the Oz Comic Book Convention, um, you know, browsing um, the the back issues, the collectibles, uh, the trades, um, and we did did a bit of a recce first, which was pretty cool. Um, it wasn't too busy. Um, first thing in the morning, so that was good. Uh, Mid morning, we caught Haley Atwell on a panel presentation, a bit of a Q and A with her, so that was pretty fun. Um, she had a, a fair few questions lobbed at her, uh, which she responded with with much a plume. So she did very well, very personable. Um, y- you know everything you'd expect from the actor who played Peggy Carter. Uh, so that was that was quite fun as well. There was a lot of cosplaying. Um, my partner Eve wanted me to actually take some photos of uh, myself with some of the cosplayers and there were plenty out there. Um, look, I didn't, I wasn't able to drum up enough courage to, to actually go up to them um, and, and ask a, a photo, although I did with one. So I do have one where I, I get a photo with a, a Kate Bishop cosplayer, which was pretty cool. Um, I, I kind of singled her out because I had my my Hawkeye shirt on as well and um I don't know if you not many know but yeah I, I do like um do like Hawkeye as well so uh it was it was pretty cool to have a photo with her but there were just oh, there were like plenty of cosplayers there a lot of uh, Mortal Kombat um pop culture like as in um Ghostbusters I'm just rattling off we were um, a lot of manga and anime I didn't even recognize who they were there was an Optimus Prime I wanted to Wanted to have a photo there um, for my good co-host Konishu uh, and Rebecca because I know they're big Transformers fans. Um, but you know, I was uh, Dave and I were seated at a bench, and he was uh, slightly off into the distance. So before I could whip out my smartphone, he had disappeared. That was pretty cool. There were a lot of actually a lot of Spider Men, uh, Spider People. Um, um, a lot of Spider-Verse characters, which was really cool to see. Um, there was even a, like a gang of, I don't know, um, a gang of friends, and they made their own versions of Spider-Man, so there, there seemed to be like a Captain America um, coloured Spider-Man suit. Um, there was the Ultimate Spider-Man, there was Gwen, um, Spider-Gwen, it was really cool. Uh, so the cosplay was, was a, a nice highlight. Um, as for swag, now look, I'll put this up on um, on uh, some of the social platforms. Uh, look, uh, I did check out some Moon Knight. There were a lot of Volume 1s. I've gotten all of Volume 1 already, so that was fine. Um, I did see the Marvel Spotlight Moon Knight one. That went off with... Went off for a, a, a pretty penny, I must say, so I wasn't uh, eager to um, relinquish that amount of coin for that issue, you know, just because I came in with a set amount um, to spend, but I did end up with, um, you know, three varied things. I had, uh, I bought about 10 issues of Quasar, a big Quasar fan, a big shout out to the to the boys over at the Quantum Zone Quasar podcast. I've noticed they've just joined our group as well, so welcome to, to Matt, Will, Phil is already uh, in the group, and a big welcome to Rob Southgate, the producer of Capes and Lunatics. They are fellow collective members. Uh, really good to have you guys with us. But yeah, very happy to pick up some cheap issues of Quasar, which was good. Um, I was very happy with Dave. Um, I mentioned I found in the store a couple of the Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collections. So I'm going to shout out Curtis Findlay as well from the Epic Marvel Podcast. I love that show. If you haven't listened to that podcast, please do. Um, and anyway, I found one on Cosmic Spidey with the Axe of Vengeance. 
was so happy with that because it's it's out of print at the moment, very hard to find. And uh, another one called Ghosts of the Past, which uh, have earlier Amazing Spider-Man issues. So I got a couple of them for a neat price. Um, kind of kicking myself, I did see the epic collection of Silver Surfer, the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, in hindsight, maybe I, I should have picked that one up, but you know. There, there was plenty there to buy um, and finally uh, again one of my faves I managed to to track down a Marvel Legends figure of Hercules uh, more notably the Dan Abnett run uh, recently which was I think 2016 or 17 um, looking very cool one of the, the the best looking Marvel Legends figures I reckon out there at the moment um, so very happy and again I saw another one which was on my checklist Forge I was thinking of getting Forge as well because he's quite hard to find here in Australia, but um, I decided to to keep that uh, keep that green in the wallet. So, um, but still happy with my purchases. Very, very good. A really fun event. I really I, I've heard that the Australian comic book conventions are you know not up to scratch, so to speak, with the ones in America and the US. Um, I that that could still well be the case but look i thoroughly enjoyed my time there and again a big shout out to dave it was a lot a lot of fun going around with someone who um yeah we can kind of bounce off um comments here and there and uh, dave had a look at some of the collectibles and and some wearables um some clothing uh so it was good to just um hang out there and the hours flew by so um highly highly recommend uh Oz Comic Con for Aussies out there, thirty five bucks I think for one day. It's on again in Sydney. Uh it's on tomorrow on, on the Sunday. I'm recording on, on the Saturday right now. Uh it's on the twenty ninth as well as it's an, a nationwide thing. So check check the website OzComicCon.com um for any details. So that's kind of what's happened recently. Uh as usual as well, uh usually ask um, between the co-hosts, what it is we've been ri- uh, reading, catching up on. Um, look again, uh, sound like a bit of a broken record. I am reading a, a bit more um, Hercules again. Um, very cool, Greg Pak really gets into his Greek mythology. Um, that's been pretty cool. I um, have still to catch up with my my current pull list, uh, but. Um, that's okay. I'm just trying to think. I added oh oh yeah, Strike Force, which was out this uh, just this past week. I put that on the list. I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, any loonies out there that read it, um, let us know. I'm I'm a bit of a fan of Blade and and Spider Woman, so that should be pretty cool. Um, but no, haven't been reading much. Um, a, a bit more of the Operation Galactic Storm, uh, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, and I've uh, just been reading yeah, reading for for the show, the classic run issue eight. And we'll get to that very soon. Uh, also, just, again, a little bit of idle chat. Um, there has been a challenge put up by one of the show's good friends, Phil. Phil me in. Perich, uh, host of Capes and Lunatics, um, host of the Ultimate Spidercast, host of Quantum Zone, the Quasar podcast. He's put up a challenge. He wants a debate of uh, a comparison between Moon Knight and uh, Man Bat. <clears throat> I mean, uh, the other guy. And anyway, it, it sounds like a bit of fun. Um, we're just trying to work out logistics. I'll, I'll put it up to some loonies. Let's see if they want to weigh in. Um, so I know Phil and I believe his co-host Lilith will be um, will be up for the challenge, up for the debate. Um, just looking for a moderator 
Um, but also, I think I've got a couple of loonies who may be keen to, um, to you know, rep represent into the night and represent moon night it, it should be a bit of a fun a fun thing there's been a bit of uh there's been a few fo- uh shots fired on either from either camp uh just placefully done you know uh, over social media um we try not to you know it, although we are very passionate about our um our team so to speak uh, it's all done in good good nature and, and good fun we don't want to um you know, insult anyone. Um, so it's going to be basically a debate. I believe it's not going to be a who would win a fight. It's more with regards to comparing, um, you know, personalities, um, fighting skill, uh, you, you you name it. So um, there'll be a comparison between both and uh, and a moderator to uh, adjudicate the, the winner. Uh, so that that's coming probably in late October. Uh, should be a fun one. Keep your eyes peeled on social media, both on the ITK community, um, you know, posts, and also potentially, um, I'm pretty sure, in the the Capes and Lunatics um, web. Uh, what am I saying? Facebook group and Facebook pages and Twitter as well. So just um, yeah, keep uh, keep note of that. That should be a lot of fun. Now, loonies, we have a there's a bit light on news as usual. So, heading into our white noise, our news segment. Look, I've only put in a couple of really kind of tangential bits of news here. I, I wanted obviously to filter out all the. There are numerous articles on fan casting, rumors, blah blah blah. Uh, you know, we've kind of done that to death. We want to try and get some interesting stuff rather than some repetitive stuff um you know there are ad nauseum things on keanu reeves and uh, and casting and um i saw again ross markand from walking dead um someone rehashing his words you know months ago about him wanting to play moon knight um it's all old news but what i wanted to put here though was i read in an article um look i can't remember i think it's comic book resources or something uh, that um, a couple of scenes from Black Widow, the movie coming out next year, uh, were shot in Morocco. Now, this could have some relevance uh, twofold. Um, again, this is just speculation, but apparently the Shang-Chi movie, part of it is set in Morocco as well, so there could be a, a nod or a reference to Shang-Chi in the Black Widow movie. So keep your eyes out for that, which would be pretty cool. More importantly, um, you loonies would be well aware that Moon Knight has his origins in North Africa. So would we get some sort of reference to Moon Knight in Black Widow? Now, if you ask me, I, I say it's a bit of a stretch, uh, but now with the Moon Knight show announced on Disney Plus, um, you know who knows? There could be could be something as tangential as those comments made in the Captain America films about a guy in Cairo, or something to that effect. So um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. It would be interesting. It would be fun um, to to hear any mention. Um, and added to that as well, this is from Screen Rant, another bit of speculation. Um, 
they <laughs> they reckon that in Black Panther 2 there may be an introduction of Konshu. Now, I don't know where the basis of this came from. Um, we do know the um, association Moon Knight has with Black Panther, uh, in the comics at least, um, and with the gods, with Bust and with Konshu. So there, there is um, some credibility to this rumour. Um, but, look, I don't think the, the script for Black Panther 2 has been released. I'm not sure how developed it is. Um, I'm not sure how a reporter got information on it. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. But um, those are the only two bits of bits of news um, I could find over the, the interwebs, uh, you know, to do with Moon Knight that seemed at least half interesting so um so that's a bit of bit of the news very quick over there um now another segment uh, another short one and this a little shout out here to high press of country rebecca who passed this on again this is a very tenuous link to moon knight but it's worth it um we pre- previously have had loonies who um were requesting that any appearance of Moon Knight in the comics um, be flagged, um, whether it be in our community on the Facebook group or on the podcast. So we've got a little bit of a night watch here. Uh, this is a new little segment where we flag any appearances of Moon Knight in comics, whether it be his own title or a, a small role somewhere else. And uh, and this one uh, is Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. Uh, issue three. Now this will be out November thirteenth. So loonies, please make note of that. Uh, the title of this new arc. It's um, the first two issues of Black Panther: Agents of Wakanda. Um, very short two-issue arc. The third issue starts something afresh. It's called God Loves Moon Kills. Now a bit of a play on God Loves Man Kills, but with the moon in there, the question is: Is there any reference? Um, to Moon Knight or to Conchu or to to anything. Now I had a little sneaky peek at the the cover to this issue three, and it looks like they are literally going to the moon. So Black Panther, Gorilla Man, Kazar, um, uh, Makoya, uh, and the other members. I think they all go to the moon. So that could be the direct reference to this title um, of this arc. Uh, and there may not be any Moon Knight at all, but it is worth, I think, um, just noting, just in case. So if you want to get every single appearance of Moon Knight, he could appear on that. Uh, we'll keep close tabs on that and we'll let you know, but that's still a while to go, November 13th. Just a couple of other um, issues of note, loonies, for our Night Watch, potentially no guarantees that Moon Knight will appear. Uh, the first one is this week. Contagion number one comes out, of course. Uh, that is written by Ed Brisson with art by Roge Antonio. Uh, cover artist Juan Jose Rip, one of my favourites. Uh, that's coming out potentially. It might have Moon Knight in it. We know Moon Knight is on the cover of issue four. Um, so it might be worthwhile checking out uh, issue one for all you completists out there. Uh, second... Um, and actually the other uh, comic that comes out this week would be Punisher 16 and again this is just a guess and it's uh, no guarantee Uh, we saw Moon Knight in issue 15 Uh, this is by Matthew Rosenberg and Simon Kudransky Uh, issue 16 this I think kind of wraps up um, Punisher's 
throwdown with Baron Zemo. Uh, we saw Moon Knight and Ghost Rider and the rest kind of left behind. Uh, there's a small chance that Moon Knight might might pop up here. So again, just to flag that for you uh, loony completists out there that want to potentially grab all the appearances of Moon Knight, um, keep your eyes out for those. Um, and that's for our Night Watch. Okay, loonies. Now it's we're talking streamlined here. Um, we are talking streamlined. Let me just double check. Okay. Um, now our next section is uh, segment is a spectacle, um, and this spectacle is kind of like a shout out, a little nods to loonies out there and to uh, to friends of the show out there that we want to give a, a special shout out to. So one moment, let me just grab a little swish of this fine vino here, pretty much like Crawley in the issue issue 8. A bit of a parched sensation in the throat. Not really, just an excuse to have a slurp. Um, okay, so, spectacle. First one, now this is long overdue. Um, I would love to... Uh, I'd love to give a shout out to Looney Everett Star. Now, Everett, um, you've been very patient. I appreciate it. And I said I'd give you a shout out because uh, your kind words um, are just so welcomed. So thank you very much. Uh, in early September, September 9th, on the Facebook page, Everett dropped a line and he said, You guys are doing a wonderful job on this podcast. You have inspired me to read everything over from the beginning. Moon Knight is my favourite street-level character. No one beats the Knight. I can't wait for the show. Uh, you share our sentiments indeed, Everett. Thank you very much for those kind words and for you know for chatting with you uh, a little um, as well on, on some other posts. Uh, for sure. Cannot wait for the show. I can't wait for more Moon Knight in comics, to be honest, as well. Um, we have that Serpent War coming up. In December, I think, we have Contagion just around the corner. I really hope Moon Knight plays a decent part in that, and I really hope he's not just a, a bit of a filler. Um, but Serpent War will be fun because it's got Set, the God of Chaos. Uh, so we're, we're set up for some, for some pretty cool stuff, and no doubt with the TV show coming, we are going to get more you know, collections, more trades. Dare I say, will we finally see a collection of Mark Spector Moon Knight that would be awesome 60 issues it's got to run over at least two complete collections um, hopefully we'll get that soon but uh, no thank you Everett thank you so much for that also a very late uh, message that's come in just come in today and I wanted to add it in this came in from CMK7 from our YouTube channel and he or she mentions great show guys uh, how have I not known of this channel before? Moon Knight and comics. A lot of your predictions were right on the money as well. Subscribed. And CMK7 is referring to our episode 110, where all the high priests um, and Chad as well um, and uh, and Tommy, we all... Was Tommy in that one? I think he was in another one. Um, Chad, at least, I believe, uh, we all speculated about Kit Harrington, about the TV show once it was announced. So that was a very fun episode. Uh, we were all we were all lit as hell with that. Um, we were all kind of on a high still from that announcement. So thank you very much, CMK7. Uh, another spectacle shout-out will have to go to 
uh, one of our good friends, Corey Hardiman. So a big hello to Corey, who's been a long-time listener and a long-time member, a long-time loony. Uh, I've got to come up with a nickname for Corey. I think he's deserving of one right about now. I'll have to figure one out. But um, anyway, Corey was very generous. He uh, he got in touch with the show, said how much he loved the show, how much he loved the reviews, and uh, he's actually doing a an independent comic himself. So uh, you can check out his Facebook page, Sister Mercy. It's an independent comic book. Uh, he's just about to release issue one out into the world, and he gave us a preview copy. Now, uh, Corey as well has requested um, that the High Priest review his uh, his issue one. So I have forwarded it on to Rebecca and to Connor. We have all read it, and uh, we're just going to find an appropriate time in one of the future episodes to give it a review, Corey. So if you're listening, um, we are very much... Uh, keen and able to give you a review and i urge other loonies as well uh to to check out sister mercy it's um it's very different obviously to moon knight it's based in a post-apocalyptic kind of era think think mad max um and think of a nun who you know is a warrior as well um so graphic violence um first issue uh, it should be exciting. We'll we'll get onto it, Corey. Don't you worry. Um, and yeah, and for anyone keen, check out the show notes. Uh, we'll have um, a link there to the Facebook page for Sister Mercy. Um, on top of that as well, I want to give a spotlight friend of the show, Scott Weatherly, host of 20th Century Geek Podcast. Now, some of you would know um, myself and Dave Finn. We guested on his show. We did a Predator retrospective which was a lot of fun in two parts um scott has just released on episode 89 which is fairly new he's released um a spotlight on moon Knight, so part one uh so he goes into um a really a really um broad but um a very respectful i think overview of um moon Knight in comic book canon um and Anyway, so that's out now. You should check it again. Check the show notes, 20th Century Geek, episode 89. But tomorrow night, I will be guesting on his show for part two, and that will drop sometime uh, during during the course of the, the following week. So that will be fun. I'll be um, up there with Scott. For those of you that don't know, Scott is a massive. I would level him up there with... Um, another good friend, Anthony Sitko, as an Amiga level loony. Uh, look, there are there are a fair few Amiga level loonies in our in our community. Um, and by Amiga level, I do mean that I think to qualify for that, you've got to at least have every single issue of Moon Knight that's ever existed, and then some. And I think Scott has that. Um, I know Anthony Sitko has um, Italian versions of Moon Knight. He's got uh, pretty much all the appearances of Moon Knight. Um, I believe he's got the cameo appearances. Um, he's got he's got commissioned artwork, all that pizzazz. So you know you know you're a hardcore loony when you go full pelt and and get everything you can on Moon Knight. And uh, Scott is definitely that sort of fan. So it'll be fun to chat with him. Um, and uh, I'm, look, I'm looking forward. I don't know what to expect, um, but I can't wait to, t- to talk through the Mensch run, um, the more modern runs, of course, uh, the recent run of Bemis, and what lies ahead with the TV show and, uh, and future titles. So that will be a lot of fun. Check that out if you can. 
Um, a couple of other things just to round off our spectacle. Uh, some of you may have noticed as well, uh, shortly after the ITK episode 114 dropped, um, you know, early this week um, or last weekend, um, there was another bonus episode of Roundtable Robin, as Tommy the Man on the Streets calls it, The Revenge of the Vengeance. Um, this is part two of our Into the Night uh, special episodes where the loonies take the reins and they um, take over the show, basically. So, you know, you don't have any of the boring high priests in your ear. It's all just you guys, the loonies, and uh, and they talk about anything and everything that they want to. And in part two, um, we have Tommy the Man on the Streets. We have, um, we have Noel Looney Tunes. Tate. He's on there. Um, those of you will know, he is the uh, the front man for Delita. Provides the music for the show, and rounding off, we have the Rick Ball special. So all three of those guys, very three disparate personalities, three disparate identities, if you will. They get together and they they talk um, many things from Moon Knight to comics to their other loves um, to collecting. It, it was a lot of fun. So check it out if you can. Again, in the show notes, we've got it there. Um, and also check out part one if you haven't yet. And that had other loonies. Um, fill me in. Perich. It had Josh. Geronimo! Johnson. And uh, it also had um, the, power the power of, of Chad. Chad. So those guys were talking about uh, anything and everything again. Um, a lot of fun. We might have more of them. Um, they're just a lot of fun to do, and uh, it's a nice spin-off to the to the main show. And finally, uh, I just wanted to give a little plug to this new ITK merchandise in our store. So at T Public, um, just check out the link in this episode. Uh, we have a limited edition certified loony design, so you can get that on a shirt or hoodie, um, you know, a singlet, a baseball shirt, uh, and also it's available in sticker format and in like pin badges. So, yeah, so wear your ITK um, loony identity loud and proud, you know, be it on your, you know, on your backpack or wearing it as a as a top. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's going to be there for again. We do rotate the design, so um, it'll be there for a, about roughly about a month or so. So get in while you can. Um, it, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, and your support is much appreciated. All you know, all um, purchases go towards basically keeping the upkeep for the show. Um, so it's not like I'm going on on a holiday to Ibiza or anything like that <laughs> with the with the uh, the earnings um it all goes, goes back straight into to keep the lights on in the show so um yeah so it'll be a very much appreciated now if my iPad will stop going into lock mode uh look we will now i guess i think i think I'll take a breather take another swirl of the old vino and uh, we'll hear a couple of messages from our fellow collective members. And uh, when we come right back, we'll uh, we'll get into our Lunapic review. So catch you on the other side of this break. We Are Venomaniacs is the Venom Site official podcast for all of your symbiote news, reviews, and point of views about Venom-related comics, movies, television, 
animation, and merchandise. We are available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube. Join us, won't you? The Swamp, more than merely a place. It is a churning, seething, bubbling bed of life of which you are a part. Once you were a man, a chemist named Ted Salas, until one little experiment went somewhat awry. And you changed. The serum that was to have made you a super soldier combined with the strange forces in the swamp to make you over into this, a shambling, mindless mockery of your former humanity. The macabre Man-Thing. Man-Thing was created in the early 1970s to capitalize on the growing monster craze, but under writer Steve Gerber it became something quite different. Experimental, surreal, and very, very weird. It was something I loved as a kid, but does it still hold up today, four decades after its initial publication? So join me, Paul Matthew Carr, as I attempt to make sense of this cult classic and analyze each issue, putting it in the context of the time it was written and comparing it to the standards of today. And maybe you too can come to love the world's second most famous swamp-based comic book character as much as I do. The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast, a twice-monthly dive into the bizarre. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 115, or as they say in Dutch, uh, let me get this right. It's 115. Uh, Sounds pretty, pretty close to the English. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Uh, episode 115, i got a get up to scratch with my with my dutch anyway welcome back thank you loonies you are here with high priest of country ray i am also not only coming through in your earpiece but i am currently being simulcast over on our facebook group and our twitter page and also i don't know why i'm speaking like a ghost i'm not like you know i'm not dead or anything and also our youtube channel so you can catch us there you can catch me there now Um, I know I'm in Australia, so a lot of the US listeners may be well asleep. A little shout out to Puerto Rico as well. I had a little check. uh, A few listeners in Puerto Rico, um, a few listeners in France. Hello, people from France. Um, A couple from Canada. Uh, Come on, Canada. Dropping the ball there. We need more Canadians. Come on. Um, Tell your friends. Uh, Anyway, um, being simulcast right now. Um, but also, uh, you know, in a very raw format, I'll drop this with the uh, the post-production of, of music and such later on um, by the end of this weekend. Anyway, we are here for our Lunar Pick... Uh, we are here for our Lunar Pick classic book review. And this is Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 8, Night of the Wolves. Uh, now, this is available in single format, in floppy. It's also available on Marvel Unlimited uh, as a digital copy as well on Comixology and or, you know, uh, Kindle would be available um, as well, as well as uh, the now out-of-print Essential Collection, which is a black-and-white phone book of Moon Knight issues. And uh, also, 
in the Epic Collection Volume 2, which is where I shall draw it from, Shadows of the Moon. Now, that is also available digitally, the Epic Collection. So you've got plenty of ways to pick this up. Um, and this is Moon Knight, Volume 1, Issue 8, Night of the Wolves, as I said, released June 1981, written by Doug Mensch, art by Bill Sinkevich, inks by Frank Giacola, colours by Roger Sleifer, letters by Joe Rosen, and edited by Denny O'Neill. Now, um, typically, loonies, what we'll do is um, I will go through a bit of a bare bones here, a bit of a synopsis of what this is all about, um, and... Then uh, we'll look at some aspects. So I've made some notes here on main, I guess, the main framework for the comic book, which would be the writing, the art, characterization, any themes, uh, references to other runs as well. So we're, we're going to look at a few of those. Um, I've got a few points on each. And uh, finish it off with our, a moon rating system. Look, we've got two now. Um, there's the, the very finicky moon rating that I came up with, the vanilla rating with all the phases of the moon. Um, I much prefer Conishu's rating system, so I'm going to use that, see if we can get a uh, a pretty cool rating there. So anyway, um, what I'll do, I'll, start, I'll kick this off with a, a synopsis, the bare bones. This is courtesy of the wiki page. Still under the influence of hallucinogenic gas, Moon Knight thinks that an oncoming subway train is a monster. He flattens himself against the wall as it passes, then jumps onto the roof to get to its brain and kill it. In a flash of sanity, he realises he's on a train. He drops into a car, reaches the engineer's compartment and knocks out the driver. On his way to his hotel to warn Marlene about the water, he hears voices from a sewer pipe, one of them Crawley's the other a friend of Red Shirt's. The friend flees at the sight of Moon Knight, but Crawley has um, learnt where Ernie, a member of the gang, lives. In a smoke-filled room in Washington, D.C., a group of men speculate on the possibility that the Chicago terrorist gang may strike elsewhere. In Chicago City Hall, waiting for the $25 million extortion payoff, Simon tells Fox that he sent the other two gang members to Ernie's place, ostensibly for supplies, but really in hopes they'd get killed in the chaos, which would mean bigger shares for them. At Meigs Fields, one of the men from Washington briefs the helicopter pilot who will deliver the ransom. At Ernie's place, Crawley breaks in, quickly followed by the two other gang members who are picking up a bottled water. Crawley pushes a row of boxes over onto them and knocks them out. Moon Knight arrives at his hotel. The room is a mess and the bathroom sink has been left running. Marlene, hiding in the shower, stabs him twice in the back with a shard of broken glass. He knocks her out and ties her up. Crawley arrives and tells him there are only gang members uh, that and tells him uh, there are only gang members the two gang members left and they're at City Hall at dawn the chopper drops a sack on the roof of City Hall Simon and Fox wearing their masks with air filters opens it and a cloud of tear gas emerges but dissipates in the wind the man from Washington orders the National Guard to assault the building Moon Knight arrives, climbs to a rooftop and hitches a ride on a police chopper to follow Simon and Fox's getaway car. In the car, Simon plans to poison the water supply because he didn't get his money. 
When Fox protests, Simon shoots him. At the reservoir, Simon has an oil drum full of poison. Moon Knight drops from the chopper and glides down to give him a body blow. The drum rolls toward the water. Simon draws a gun. Moon Knight can cl- uh, came close with Simon or stop the drum, but not both. Or can he? He throws a dart, knocking Simon's gun out of his hand and stops the drum in the nick of time. Three days later, Stephen Grant, Marlene, Frenchie and Crawley watch a crane pull Moon Knight's helicopter out of the lake. C'est la vie, says Frenchie. We wish to make some changes in design anyway, oui? Yes, well, the wiki could have done with a bit of editing there. A couple of uh, dubious sentences, but that was the synopsis for Moon Knight issue 8. A very fun rollick, a very synonymous with the time uh, we see Doug Mench's um, writing it's still evolving um, but there are bits of there uh, bits there that you can identify with his later bit of writing anyway to get straight into it I'm going to go to the writing aspects of this um, so this is like plot wise this is a standard holding the city to ransom storyline and it's coupled with this whole contaminating the water, turning people into crazy, I wouldn't say zombies, but they're, you know, just just a mad crowd. So we have um, basically um, Moon Knight. His enemy is Simon and Fox, but uh, he does come across basically people not under their own, um, their own wits. And uh, it's... To me, it's kind of like a zombie scenario because he's up against a mass amount of people and uh, they're kind of brainless and mindless. It's a very simple plot. Um, but what I had to mention here with Mensch, he does create a simple plot, but he also, and he does this a few times uh, in this run, he employs a huge cast to keep things interesting. So there are always moving parts to this. Um, you've got Moon Knight who has to ward off, uh, you know, he's been under the um, the spell of the drugs. He has to ward off these crazed people, crazed Chicago citizens. He's doing that. But he's also, his, his mission is also to look for Marlene. Um, at the same time, we get Crawley who um, has found um, refuge in the sewers. Um, he becomes... Uh, a great uh, connecting point for Moon Knight to to kind of further the story as well and to um, to give information to Moon Knight, uh, you know. Um, so uh, he's quite interesting, um, and, and he has his own adventure as well by going to Ernie's place, has a bit of a scuffle with two of the gang members, um, so he has kind of like his own little story as well. Moon Knight's looking for Marlene. Um, so Marlene um, is in a... She needs... You know, she needs help. She's a bit crazed as well. So we get uh, another scene there with Moon Knight confronting Marlene. And I'll get to it a bit later, but there's a bit of a... I like there's a bit of an inkling there of uh, Marlene's thought process of Moon Knight and his multiple identities. Um, and what... She may have revealed something uh, subconsciously, um, her true feelings... Uh, while she was in this drug state, but we'll get to that. Uh, we've got Simon and Fox. We've got the main criminals. Um, they're they're working their their ransom deal. Um, uh, you know the the main gist of this um, for them for this story is to collect the ransom when it goes pear shaped. 
Um, we see Simon as a true psychopath, um, starts killing, and he still wants to um, to drop the poison into the water, into the reservoir, just because why not? Because he's either spiteful or he just really just has nothing else to, to lose. Um, we also have a little insight. They're not named, though, but the authorities in, in Washington, D.C., um, they kind of... Um, uh, orchestrate this this ransom drop off as well. So there are you know there's a fair few characters in here to keep things kind of chugging along and uh, to bounce. So Mench you know bounces between these characters to to keep things moving to keep things interesting. And uh, I found I find that kind of similar with um, a, f- a fair few of Mench's um, storylines. Deceptively simple, but um, he uses a lot of characters. Sometimes they are overused and you do lose track. Um, when the characters aren't as um, well rounded out, um, you know, um, like in some instances there are characters similar to Simon Fox, Simon and Fox, and these authority figures in Washington D.C. They aren't really really developed. Um, in some other cases, with Mench's stories, um, it t- tends to get a bit confusing and a bit um, convoluted. Um, with the amount that he puts in, but over here I think it was a, it was a pretty good balance. Uh, it kept things um, quite fun, quite lively as well. Um, uh, also with the writing here as well, I've got another point about Simon as well. He's the main antagonist. Um, he seemed like quite an interesting character. Uh, at the end, again, he's um, vaguely. Dispatched. I mean, he just falls into the water. You assume that he gets fished out and he gets handcuffed and put and you know um, chucked into a, a police car or something. Um, but he's quite a. Um, he's got no backstory in this writing, which makes it difficult to to really understand him proper. Uh, he's got a lot of psychotic tendencies, um, which I, maybe that's explanation enough, but. Um, I think with writing, well, actually, and having said that as well, although he's the main antagonist, um, the main physical threats to Moon Knight in this issue were were Marlene and the Chicago citizens. So uh, it's a bit of a weird one. There's, it's not like a, a and there is a, a throwdown at the end between Moon Knight and Simon, but they're really kind of mismatched, aren't they? Um, he's no physical threat to Moon Knight. Um, he may have orchestrated this thing, but he really unraveled it himself. I mean, he's, he's um, not trusting his other gang members. He wants them to be caught because he's greedy. He shoots Fox in the car. And, um, there are a lot of these uh, actions which I feel probably needed... You needed a bit more development in the character to, to really... Um, comprehend why he's doing it but having said that and my previous point there's so much happening in Mench's story anyway I don't think there's any room for that so um so what Mench gives us is basically just just a a distillation of what this character is and unfortunately he doesn't come out as rounded as you'd hope but you know he's not a recurring character as well so uh he's quite disposable in that sense um other bits of writing as well. So when we did review issue seven, I thought it was really cool to see how the citizens of Chicago were affected, and you, and you get a few instances of their craziness, and I thought that was really cool. Um, in this issue as well, it's not 
it's not written in as much. Um, there's a bit at the very beginning with, with Moon Knight being attacked by the Moon Kings, just by citizens of Chicago, and when he's on the train as well. Um, that lasts, it's very fleeting. Um, and then the, the danger of them, of these maddened citizens, seems to kind of disappear. Um, and again, I believe it's because Mench is trying to focus on these other aspects, you know, finding Marlene, um, you know, what happens to the other gang members, introducing Crawley again uh, into it. Uh, so is that, they're kind of, again, left on the wayside, um, these uh, crazed citizens. Uh, and I think that's part of the appeal to this story arc, you know, it's one of the main parts of this story. I would have loved to have seen a bit more of them um, in it. Uh, a little bit more interaction. There, there's that one bit where Crawley and Moon Knight are in the car, and I found it hilarious how... I just find it always funny how a costumed hero is behind a steering wheel like a car, um, like in a normal car, just driving. It, to me, it, it's, it's tantamount to a superhero catching public transport. You know, it, it just a little bit out of context um they just seem a little less mobile than they should be because they're always kind of like swinging away or flying away anyway there is a a crazy a frenzied citizen at the back of the seat which which added a bit of a a bit of a jump factor but um it would have been good to see a bit more of that as well um to give the sense that the city really is in flux you know um maybe this story could have done with another issue or so. Or, you know, maybe people are thinking this is quite a streamlined story as it is. But anyway, uh, those were my thoughts on the writing. Uh, now, if we go to the art, which will include like panel layout, the general art in general, you know, colours and inks, uh, the first striking thing for me are the panel borders. Um, so we see here Sinkevich is playing with the the panel borders um, so we've got your, your typical standard straight panel panel boxes um, but we've got the frayed panels and they they kind of appear um, when things are either in flashback or when things are a hallucination and I just like that little touch because um, uh, it just makes things seem a little less um, less solid. Uh, with those kind of um, organic lines around the panel, uh, and that was the first well, one of the immediate things that came out to me with with the art. Um, second, uh, yeah, I've, actually, as I mentioned that already, uh, Sienkiewicz uh, uses technique to alter alternate. Oh, yeah. Also, apart added to that, sorry, um, what we see with the storytelling. Is um and you see it a lot and and I'm gonna I'm gonna pluck out uh, the Scarlet Redemption as an example as well where you get these parallel kind of um, visuals um, telling different things and Sienkiewicz does this uh, quite a bit in here where you see the hallucination the image of the hallucination say for instance Moon Knight on the train uh, but he's on the back of a serpent. Um, parallel with uh the real the reality of him on back of it on the back of a train and you see that um happen a few times um throughout the issue um which is a really good technique to um to kind of highlight um what moon knight perceives and what 
the rest of the world perceives. It's also done in the flashback scene as well. A little bit of a far out. This is... Uh, I didn't remember how many times Mark Spector has punched Marlene, but he does it in this issue as well. Um, but there's also the instance where um, he's trying to subdue Marlene, and that's interspersed with um, flashbacks of him and Marlene sharing an intimate moment, a kiss. So uh, again, uh, we get this uh, nice contrast that Sinkevich uses, and uh, I'm sure it's Mensch has uh, incorporated into the script of where we see um, um, flashbacks or, or um, the non-real with the real, uh, and and that's a nice technique um, that he, that he uses in it. it. It's a very simple one, um, but uh, it it does make for for some good art. The colours do um, make a case for that as well. Let me get let me get out my epic collection. So if I'm to go to, uh, say for instance, when Mark confronts Marlene, uh, where is it? Uh, so with the epic collection on the uh, page 90, if anyone's got the epic collection, um, we get the blues for Mark in that dark room um, trying to subdue Marlene. Um, kind of interspersed with these flashbacks which are more in the the warmer the more, more red and pinks of them sharing a um a warm kiss so the colors do it as well um to kind of evoke um th- those contrasts uh from here as well i think uh like aesthetic wise uh, obviously sinkevich still is developing his style very very competent, obviously, um, he is at the moment. Uh, he has mentioned his influences are Neil Adams when he was early, early on. Um, and we saw that with the, the early, early classic runs. Uh, we did the Hulk magazine as well as was, we've done, um, you know, the other issues like where, you know, um, I'm not in a werewolf by night. We've done, uh, other previous Sinkevich's, uh, issues and, the best way to describe it is that they're they're kind of more standard looking, I think, comic book uh, comic book art. Um, I've got the the luxury of this epic collection here, so I jumped straight to issue twenty, was it um, twenty um, twenty three, and the art is chalk and cheese. You see Sinkevich really, um, really pushing the boundary of the the form here of the art form in in comics. Um, with the use of his uh, his inks, because he inks it by himself in here. Um, issue 8 has Frank Giacola, and it's very much looking more like a standard comic book. Surprising, because even in the Hulk magazine, Sienkiewicz's art um, had a different quality to it. Although it was standard, it did look like more for a mature audience, I think because of the colouring and the, and the inks. Um, I believe the Frank G. Cola uh, inks here and uh, the R. Sleeper colours have given it more of a um, what do you call it? more of a house effect. Um, still very good. I mean, I still enjoy it. Uh, but what we don't see, um, and it's funny because in issue one and two of Volume One, Moon Knight, um, you can very much distinctly see um, the way. Uh, Sinkevich um, portrays uh, or depicts the, the portraiture of people, like facial expressions. Here it's more, a lot more simplified, 
Um, and so I wonder if if uh, time had anything to do with it to um, to affect Sinkevich. Again, nothing to take away from, from the art of issue 8. It's still great. I mean, um, what have I got here? Um, uh, like you only have to look at Moon Knight um, depicted in this issue. Um, we're talking anatomy-wise, like um, body movement, fluidity. It, it's still great. Um, there are still some really popping panels here um i think later on with the mini missives as chad uh, mentions about Mar- the the way marlene's um drawn which is really cool um but yeah you can see sinkevich has a real firm grasp of moon knight and how he wants to show moon knight um but there were some things here like i understand that you don't have to fill the background of each panel of everything you know um and there are some great panels here where the background is, is very kind of nicely detailed and, and, and nice, nicely coloured and inked. But there are some panels here where I, I can't understand. Like, it's not for any effect that there are no, there's no background detail. Um, it's just like a colour. Uh, and to me, that was a little bit more noticeable. Um, but then again, like you get some really good... Uh, also... <laughs> There's a little bit of use of light and shade here, which Sinkovich uses a lot later on in his issues, um, which is very prominent, which you, you do see bleed over into the New Mut- new Mutants run of his as well. But um, look, a little reference here, page 88, there's a just one panel at the top here showing a darkened room with a, with a lamp. Um, I'd like to think that's Sinkovich um, playing around with, with light and dark, with shadows just... Um, Maybe, you know, uh, it's meant to show the darkened hotel room of Marlene. Um, so there are little things here. Other than that, though, um, there's n- it's a pretty standard bit of uh, comic book art. Um, dare I say, even harks back to prior 1981. There's, there's, in some instances, like the last last few panels, when the, the characters Frenchie, Marlene, Mark and Crawley just joke about you know this caper ending and um in them needing a new moon copter uh very classic style uh comic book art there um so i'm not sure whether that's intentional or not or whether that is frank giacola's influence but um yeah that that's kind of what stuck out for me with the art um okay so theme wise so there are only a couple of things here uh, I thought Marlene, in her drug state, in page 80 of this epic collection, uh, she alludes to her inner feelings about Mark and the effect of Mark's multiple identities and what they're having, uh, what effect they're having on her. Now, let me just read this out. Like, um, So she's kind of just waiting for him, you know, with a broken shard of mirror, um, with the water running, and she's talking to herself. She's going, you're two different people, Stephen. Maybe three. No, make that four or more. And you're so crazy, you don't know who you are. But I want you, Stephen. I want you so bad. Because you've made me just like you. So crazy. I don't know who I am. So crazy that we don't want anyone but you. All four of you. So it seems her mind very much obviously is in a, in a fractured state with the uh, the poisoned water. But is this an inkling into Marlene's inner struggle 
for, for Moon Knight. We know that she likes Stephen Grant. She always refers to him as Stephen. But she's got to carry some sort of burden by knowing that he's got these other identities which seem to be becoming more and more pronounced as this run goes on. It's no longer the mere fact of of, uh, of Mark Spector putting on these identities like an actor. It seems now, which we saw in the early um, Moon Knight, uh, this early, early issues of this run, I think it was issues um, three and four or so, where he starts talking to Konshu and and it becomes more of a it seems to become more of a problem for him or more of a struggle for him rather than him actively just putting on these guises so anyway I thought um maybe that there was a little bit there that that Mench was trying to explore um the other theme here uh yeah um I thought this was actually this was just more of a statement of the the potential that was kind of missed I think in this theme. Now this seemed this and issue 7 seemed like a very cool um a cool romp because it had Moon Knight on the moon, you know, uh, you can't get any more literal than that fighting moon kings or space I don't know what they were. They were moon kings. They were they weren't actually werewolves. Um, they were just these Moon King monsters, um, but I, I don't think this idea was fully realised. Um, it might it may have been something that Mench stumbled on, uh, but to have Moon Knight drugged and to think that he was on the moon and fighting these, coupled with his identity crises, I think that would have played really well. And and um, this is issue eight. I don't think it's really explored again um but to explore this uh to have this opportunity to explore the psyche of mark i think would have been really cool um and it's later kind of done in a way in the lemire run in a totally masterful way so we're lucky we have that but um uh it's great that lemire drew from this story as well but i feel what lemire has shown was that there was potential and uh, and in this run, Mensch uh, hadn't fully capitalised on what he had he'd started out with. Uh, Characterisation. Um, first point here, I had Moon Knight seems to shrug off the toxin more easily than the others. Um, having said that, uh, you know I think Frenchie had to have been knocked out to to get his senses um, back to him. Uh, also as well we've got to remember Moon Knight was gassed rather than he didn't drink the water so that may have a lesser effect on him but he seems to shrug it off Um, he had a lot of trouble at the beginning of the issue then you know without sounding like double he doesn't seem to have much of an issue later on with it so it just wears off Um, that's just something unnoted Uh, maybe because it's maybe because he's stronger maybe he um, managed to heal um, a lot quicker, I don't know. Uh, anyway, also as well, Moon Knight, he appears to shrug off these multiple stab wounds um, from Marlene. <laughs> and I, I, I thought that was in keeping and consistent with him as a character because he does um, receive a lot of punishment, doesn't he? But he just keeps on soldiering on. Uh, this is this is one of the instances of it. And, and I know that this is not totally a, a specific thing to Moon Knight. Like, there are a lot of heroes, Punisher, um, Daredevil, that tend to 
go beyond the pain threshold um, and their their will is more um, indomitable um, so they're able to overcome these uh, these cruxes but uh, but with Moon Knight I, I find it, it is a consistent thing and it's become his kind of thing as well you know about uh, not defending a blow you'd rather take it um, so yeah a, a little a little nod here from Mench early on which I think maybe a lot of writers built upon um, characterization of Simon which I mentioned before he's portrayed as a complete psycho uh, he kills his accomplices he wants to double cross his his other gang members uh, he's a bit of a loose cannon bit of a bit of a loose wire uh, and then after when all else fails, um, what does he do? He doesn't try to, he tries to escape, but he still tries to carry out his plan of poisoning the reservoir, which, what, what's he going to do? I mean, all he's going to do is cause more trouble, uh, more headaches for the others. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, he was kind of underdeveloped, uh, but, uh, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm not hankering to, to see him back because he was essentially not that interesting a character. He had a pretty funny haircut. Um, wasn't that memorable. Um, but anyway, uh, that's how he was portrayed in this. Crawley again proves himself to be invaluable to Moon Knight. Again, he provides the information he actually gets his hands dirty he he knocks out the two other gang members who we assume were rounded up shortly after um he, he comes up with the information of finding out where ernie lives where where the, the poison was being manufactured um so yeah a, a very um a very invaluable accomplice for moon knight as well uh, crawley and marlene always tend to be um tend to be the ones that, uh, you know, without them, the cases really wouldn't be solved. Or actually, I mean more that with, with Crawley. Marlene tends to, to save Mark um, out of trouble. Crawley seems to be the one that is absolutely essential in getting uh, in solving these cases. Uh, so it's good to see Crawley, Crawley have a good part in this, um, similar to, to Issue 7 as well, where he actually gives a heads up to, to Moon Knight about this whole, this whole thing. Uh, and also with characterization, one of the, the final points, there doesn't seem to be any signs yet of the relationship breakdown between Mark and uh, and both Frenchie and Marlene. So um, apart from obviously Marlene going a bit a bit cray cray uh, and trying to kill Mark under the influence of the poison, uh, they seem still very much in love. Um, Frenchie uh, is is tied up happily on a yacht somewhere after um after going a bit crazy um and uh, wanting to be restrained so he doesn't um and, and mark wanting to restrain him to, to stay out of trouble um we don't see any of that um we don't see any of, of those kind of uh, tension um uh, the tension between the uh these these cast members so far it even ends, I've got here a note, with uh, almost a Scooby-Doo ending. Uh, as a gang, they laugh, laugh off the adventure they just had, and they laugh about, you know, we need a new design for the Mooncopter anyway, which they sorely needed as well. Um, a couple of those early Mooncopter designs were abominable, <laughs> but a thing of the time. I really do enjoy the Mark Spectre Moon Knight. Uh, moon, I think it's not even a copter, you call it a Moon Jet, kind of like a sideway 
um, crescent moon, which is pretty cool. But anyway, um, characterization. Now, finally, ref- references uh, to any other runs. And the only one which I mentioned before is... Um, uh, there is a Moon Knight does have a stint on the moon as well in uh, volume 8 issues 6 to 9 it's the Incarnations arc by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood and James Stokoe uh, Wilfred Torres uh, and Francesco Francovia it's uh, one of the classic one of the absolute best runs you can read and look at Art-wise, it's just magnificent. Um, it's top-level comics. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's how comics... It shows how comics can be absolutely fantastic. We we uh, reviewed it ages ago when Connishu and I did the whole Lemire run. Um, go check it out, the earlier episodes. Uh, but yeah, that, there was a reference there. They referenced uh, Space Wolves. Um, actually, Lupinar, which was a, a character from the Hulk magazine. Uh, Lemire kind of mishmashed everything together. Um, and you had um, Mark Spector, like a space um, space jet fighter um, on the moon. So a little reference, uh, not entirely exactly like... Um, this this issue, uh, Night of the Wolves, but um, there is a mix. I mean, this whole thing about people going mad and thinking that they're kind of like wolves or werewolves, that's where the title of this issue comes from. And then with the Lemire run, you're getting the space wolves out on the moon. Uh, again, like I said, it's a bit of a mishmash of everything, um, but I believe it is strongly linked to one another there. So anyway, loonies, uh, that was the issue. Uh, those were some of the points that I came up with with this issue. A very fun, a very fun issue, um, something that I would revisit again. Uh, it's, again, one of those dated ones. It's a thing of the time. Um, certainly, I do enjoy um, Sienkiewicz's art. I really do enjoy the latter um, volume one um, issues of Moon Knight when, when Mensch and Sienkiewicz really come into their own. But um, these are fun. These are, um, you know, then you don't get comic books like this these days as well. Just classic, <coughs> classic things. You've you got to suspend your disbelief uh, very much to an extent. Um, there are some shortcomings, though, with development. Um, and there is a trap that Mensch sometimes puts a little bit too much um, into the story. Um, and things become really busy um, just for the sake of being busy um, with a very simple plot. But but this was um, yeah no this was very enjoyable. I'm going to go for a seven out of ten for this. So <clears throat> with Connoisseur's rating system, that is a solid round boy again. So uh, a good seven for that. Uh, so go check it out, loonies, if you can. Um, Yeah, we're going to go to another short break to hear from um, some other friends of the show and collective members. And uh, and when we come back, I've just got some feedback from some of the loonies. So catch you then. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on.
Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is the High Priest of Conju Ray. And uh, that was my review of Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 8. Um, a very fun review. 7 out of 10, small, round, solid round boy. Check it out. I'm really hoping one day to get a to a, a full moon um or actually I really want to see a really bad issue i want to be able to mark something a crumb of a moon that's pretty cool from connor's rating system anyway as mentioned we have a bit of feedback here uh, and the first one comes from our facebook page it's from steve murphy and he says that is one awesome cover yeah i forgot to actually mention the cover the cover is very kick-ass um, one of the it's actually used in the front cover to the Epic Collection Volume Two. Uh, very cool cover. Um, very crazed looking Moon Knight there. I love he again his flowing moonlight cape from Sinkevich. You've got the moon. You've got the wolves. I mean it. It's a little misleading um, from what happens inside, uh, but it's a it's a very cool the way Moon Knight is is uh, haunched over and cackling and laughing um it's pretty cool and and the ripped mask which you don't see that often you see a lot of that with spidey um it's always it's used in great effect here with with moon knight um oh one of the things i forgot to mention um with again sinkevich's art with how good he portrays moon knight you've essentially got a guy i guess it's similar to 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 spider-man and any other cape person but um you do rely on the body the body movements to evoke the emotions and I think Sinkevich does it really well with Moon Knight's um, uh, movements in these issues as well as all the other um, issues to come as well uh, he's really got a good grasp on the character but anyway thank you for that Steve Murphy uh, now we go on to our Facebook group and there's um, a few from here so I'd like to start off with Josh Hesselton and he's come up with five points, five aspects. Uh, he writes in, Somewhat missed opportunity when hallucinating Moon Knight uh, did not have a direct encounter with our werewolf-masked-wearing antagonist. He didn't, but towards the end he kind of did. Um, the mo- I know what you mean, though. Uh, the mob even howled like wolves, and this could have been a good callback to some werewolf history for the character and his own recently perceived power loss from werewolf venom wearing off that's a very good point there is obviously a connection between moon knight and werewolves Uh, why why wasn't that kind of utilized very very good point josh um that's another potential um missed by mensch i think in this this instance uh his second point such a good scene with moon knight hallucinating and it parallels reality and his experience in those moments i think as i mentioned i believe as the alternating panels uh the imagery of the moon kings and moon knight feeling helpless as a knight against a king was fascinating for me uh interesting yeah i I didn't pick that up myself um the moon kings to me looked more like just um zombies or um ghouls 
um, but they were referred to as Moon Kings. I didn't, yeah, didn't pick up that um, connection. Good one. Uh, third point, somewhat similar, there is the scene of Moon Knight going to save Marlene, getting stabbed from behind by Marlene from the shadows, and she playfully runs away, taunting Stephen to have Moon Knight find her. He ends up knocking her out while saying he loves her, with panel showing a remembered tender moment along with the violence. Yep, this is the contrasting panels again. Uh, the violence is in darkness with a blue and black colour palette, while the romantic moment is portrayed in flesh and pink. Rose-coloured glasses. I love it. Rose-coloured glasses. To me, just the warmer colours. Red, pinks, a lot more warmer. A lot, um, in this instance, a lot more positive. While as the uh, the cold blues and blacks, um, I think, evoked that, that darkened room and uh, the tense moment of the two. So, um, but, but yeah, definitely rose-coloured glasses. Uh, point four, Crawley gets a badass moment dropping bottled water boxes on the goons, but then forgets to look for danger in the back seat of the vehicle in Chicago at night when anyone drinking tap water has turned into a howling violent rage monster. Yep, good point as well. They both miss that. Moon Knight and Crawley, it's one of those tropes you see in movies and TV and in comics where you just never check the back seat. Uh, Schoolboy error there for both Crawley and Moon Knight. Uh, and finally, all the sad and pained Moon Knight portraits throughout the issue would be great to screenshot for reaction images. And, yep, just going on with what I mentioned about um, the the mastery of Sienkiewicz's art and how he can evoke emotion with Moon Knight um, with just the, the the two eyes and basically his, his whole body. So uh, thank you for that, Josh. Uh, thanks for writing in. We have our second one from Noel Looney Tunes Tate. And uh, and Noel writes in, he says, classic Moon Knight comic. It's a lot more noir than I remember it being. Although the story is simple, it's uh, these one and two off issues that drew me into Moon Knight uh, in the first place. Mensch always has had a good sense of um, old-school pulp or almost EC Comics horror, crime, anthology vibes to his Moon Knight stories. Very cool idea to combine the noir, monster, and horror style that made a uh, comeback in the 70s to the peaking 80s Bronze Age style of superhero comics. Chicago-based Moon Knight stories always hook me. Um, Hello, good morning, Luke. Got a message there from Luke. Thanks for dropping by. Anyway, uh, Looney Tunes Tate goes on, Sienkiewicz's art is still ahead of its time, even early on. I still see the Neil Adams influence in design, dynamics, and basic illustration, but he had his own thing a lot early on than a lot of people give him credit for. Okay, so uh, so Noel has picked this up uh, from this issue. Uh, the whole page when Marlene stabs Moon Knight is visceral and terrifying. I, I agree with you here, Noel, as well. I mean, again, I think it's more in the, the movement of the figures. Uh, you can see Sienkiewicz's art. Uh, kind of really coming to its own. Uh, aesthetically, though, yeah, I, I, I do see a lot of Neil Adams. Uh, the one panel of Moon Knight's close-up reaction after getting stabbed with a broken mirror-like um, panel border is a favourite. That whole page, as well as a previous, look like a scene from Psycho. Uh, yep, overall, a great trippy story by Mensch and terrifying illustrations by Sienkiewicz. Uh, classic cover as well. Very good. Eight and a half out of ten. Uh, the point five is for the R.I.P. to the Moon Chopper. Uh, long, uh, long shall it live. 
Yeah, eight and a half. So, Noel, let me translate that. That's a uh, in between a big, beautiful yellow man and a full moon. So, uh, so Noel gives it, giving it high praise. I, I think it, it's worth it. I mean, definitely for some readers, this would be really a really enjoyable. Um, high level comic which is fine and again a nice reminder to everyone that everyone has um yeah, own personal tastes um and they're all all valid so it's always great to hear um these different views uh next we have uh, the, the power, power of chad, chad. and uh and he he weighs in and he says i had a few problems with the scenario one was Mark vaulting a subway car at full speed, 55 miles per hour, right after being gassed. It seems more than unlikely that Moon Knight could clear that while under the influence of some rather intense hallucinogens. Uh, the other issue was the population in Chicago during the early 80s was around 3 million. E- uh, if even a fraction of a percent of that had gone a bit long in the tooth, there'd be no stopping the mob. Very good points there, Chad. I uh, didn't pick up those, but yeah, for sure. I mean, Moon Knight, um, maybe he had Conchu helping him to, to clear that, that train, that the subway car. And um, yeah, look, Chicago, we're talking like Walking Dead proportions, aren't we? We're talking about thousands and thousands of crazy people. Uh, there'd be a lot more mayhem than what we saw in this story, for sure. Uh, Chad continues, on the other hand, the story was really inventive and picked up a lot of the Moon Knight support cast. Crawley was smart and didn't let his weaknesses trouble Mark. Frenchie was down through no fault of his own and was no worse for wear at the end, ever stylish with a well-trimmed moustache and a match um, between his lips. Marlene really shone in this one. Um, Though crazy, she demonstrated uncanny stealth and vicious aptitude with a shard of mirror. I guess she could really see herself attacking Mark. Yeah, true. I mean, again, inner feelings. Like, does she really... um She's taunting him as well, you know, asking Moon Knight to chase her. Um, she's she's quite a complex character, I believe. Um, further on, the action scenes were amazing, as usual, from Bill, the way Moon Knight sends his victims flying through the air and only ever needs one hit to land to put these constricted crazies in a coma. The cover was a bit tacky in composition, but the expression on our Avengers face really harkens to his brother's deranged facade. Yeah, I um I think it's it's gotta be for me one of the more memorable memorable uh covers. And a lot of that has to do with Moon Knight's posture and his face. Um yeah, as you say, it could be attacking in composition as well, but um you know, if you if you just isolated that um that artwork of Moon Knight from the front cover, you you're on a winner there. Winner winner, chicken dinner. Uh, anyway, he finishes, Chad finishes off with, um, I prefer Mooney in detective mode, getting real forensic and visceral in his combat tactics rather than empowered by absurd two moles of, of dead kings. Uh, overall, I'd give this a 7 out of 10, a, um, solid round boy as well, only hindered by my shallow hang-ups. Also, Marlene looks absolutely fiendish at the bottom of page 7, some evil dead caliber ghastly glamour. Uh, fantastic, Chad, absolutely, um, for sure. Uh, so let's see, Luke's still here. I just got someone drop in to the simulcast here. Let me just see if I can see if they're still around. Um, anyway, that was our, those were the Mooney missives. Thank you for those loonies who wrote in. Thank you so much for, for following uh, and for letting us know your thoughts. Um, it's always good to chat onto the show, on the show.
Well, um, that that pretty much wraps us, I think, loonies. It's just my lonesome here, um, lonesome self. Uh, I have been going on for a good while now. I hope you found the review um, insightful and entertaining. Uh, the synopsis, as again provided by Wiki, was was very thorough. It gave you a sense of the comic, even if you hadn't, uh, if you don't have a copy of it. Um, and if it has urged you to, to to pick up a copy, by all means do. I mean, as I mentioned, seven out of ten, it's a it's a pretty solid score. Um, definitely worth checking out, even if you do read it just once. Um, give it a go. Um, so thank you once again for listening. Now, next phase, we have we enter a first quarter phase of the moon, uh, and I'm just reminded that. Um, so I'm basing this on the date October 5th and it's based on the geographical location of Cairo in Egypt so um, I'm not sure if things deviate slightly depending on where you are but October 5th if you look out the window it should be a first quarter and that means we are looking at Conchu's Idols now this is our uh, episode solely based on Moon Knight action figure reviews. So we've done a few before. We've done Funko Pops. We've done Marvel Hasbro Legends figures. Um, And next week, we'll be looking at the Mezco exclusive Crescent edition of Moon Knight, um, the 1 to 12 figure. Um, And I'm very happy to announce we have another guest, Looney. He'll be joining me. Um, His name is Brian Warshaw. What is it good for? Uh, so Brian will be joining me. Uh, he's a podcaster himself as well. Um, you'll get to hear him next week. I had a fun, fun time chatting with him, learning about new stuff. Um, and so anyway, we'll we'll speak to Brian and we'll go through the Crescent Edition, the, the Mezco. And that the one, for, for those of you who don't know, Mezco have released uh, two versions of Moon Knight. One is the, the, the white costume, which is the standard one. Uh, this Crescent Edition is a Mezco exclusive, so you had to have ordered it through Mezco, I believe. Um, kind of makes it hard for people outside of the US, um, so I don't have one myself, but I leaned heavily on Brian, and he provided what I'll do. Um, he gave me a whole heap of photos as well. I'll create an album. I'll put it up onto our Facebook group just before the, the episode next week. Um, and you can you can familiarize yourself with the figure, but that should be a lot of fun. Um, as usual, we're gonna I'm gonna bow out now, but I keep on forgetting to do it, so I'm, I want to add it now in our little outro segment. Um, we are part of the collective, so we're a band of a few like-minded podcasters who want who wanted a network in the most traditional sense. It's a a repository for ideas, uh, crossovers, and potential guest appearances between the podcasts, and um, and it includes a nice slew of podcasts, really cool stuff. So ranging from um, a podcast about Inhumans, it's Adelaide Rising, to um, we've got Inner Demons, a Ghost Rider podcast. There's a Namor podcast, Nexus of All Realities, a Man Thing podcast. I could go on and on. Um, there's Uncanny Nerdverse. Uh, they, they to do the things to do with the X Men. Um, Sons of the Dragon and Immortal Iron Fist podcast, The Signal of Doom, of course, and again, a big shout-out, hello to Dave, who I went to the Oz Comic Con with today. Uh, they're all part of the collective. Go check out all these podcasts. These are great, guys. If you love what you hear now, um, you'll love these other ones. So so check them out. 
Uh, you can find us as well. Look, I'm going to streamline this as well. You can find us on an email, itkmoonight at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Get Vocal, and we have a website too. All the links are available on this episode. Um, this podcast episode so just check out the links to them uh, and you can you can check out previous issues you can check out um, newsletters it's all there um, iTunes ratings if you want to leave a, a review that would be very much appreciated um, would love to get a five-star review from you if not um, let us know how we can improve the show we're always happy to to adapt and evolve um, and always happy to hear from you and uh, and finally um, yeah you can Catch us on all good podcast catches. I've got a whole heap here. We've got Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Podcast Republic, TuneIn. It's all here. You can actually even watch, um, listen to the show via Twitter and on our Libsyn website. And as mentioned as well, this is simulcast uh, right now on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So you can actually just use that link to, to get the uncensored, unadulterated version of, uh, of the show right here. So thank you very much, loonies. It's been a blast. Um, hopefully, Connor, um, hopefully the poison water has faded, and hopefully Connor Shoe can uh, come out from the back seat of that car, um, hiding there, waiting for some other um, unsuspecting victim. Hopefully, he can pop pop up um, to the the uh, Grant Mansion, say hello again. Um, but yeah, wishing wishing him well. Uh, and as always. Uh, I've got to sign off by saying may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.